<laughs> we, we got ourselves a little entrepreneur in here, um, <laughs> down here, and selling everything. That's awesome. We need him on our team. Um, well, hey, guys, uh, we're finishing up a series that we've been calling uh, Press Play. And that video you just got to see were, was uh, actual real archival video of, of Central and uh, different things that we've gone through as, as a church. And, you know, we, we've been going through the last several weeks talking uh, about our mission um, that God has, has given us, a mission to reach people, our mission to, to say yes to whatever God is, is calling us to do. And we've looked at a, a remote control and the idea that a remote control helps us to get off of pause and helps us to, to press play um, in our lives. Remote controls are, are so important um, in our lives that I, I found some statistics just to show you that. We lose remote controls, don't we? And it kind of gives us some anxiety thinking about the remote controls we've lost. Here's some things. Do you know that three out of the four people will lose a remote control at least once this month? Anybody already done that this month? Okay, I've, I've, I've already lost it a couple times. The average person will spend two weeks looking for a remote control before they decide to go out and buy um, a new one. 49% of people found the remote control in their couch. Okay, that's usually where you find the remote control. 8% found it in the bathroom. Okay, 8%. Found it in a dresser drawer. 4% found it in the refrigerator. Anybody? Come on. Anybody ever done that? No, bunch of liars. You've probably done that. 2% found it actually outside or in their car, which is kind of crazy. And you know what? 63% of us blame someone else. Okay? I've done that. Um, I think I, I help with that statistic. I'm blaming Holly all the time for the remote control. And in our lifetimes, women, they'll spend 12 full days in their life looking for a remote. And guys will spend 18 full days looking for the remote control. The remote control is, is a big deal. It's a big problem when we lose it. So much so that people have come up with ingenious ways to make sure you don't lose it. Technology, technology advancements today, you can actually get a little Bluetooth device and stick it on there and you can use your phone to be able to find the remote control, which is pretty awesome. But some old school ways of doing that, people will tie a string around this remote control and tie it around their couch so it literally cannot um, leave the, the room. Some people will paint glow in the dark on the remote control and so you can always find it in the dark. I think that's really awesome. We need to do that in my house big time. And some people will literally glue it to the arm of the chair so it never, never leaves, which is actually kind of smart. I think that's great. Remotes are important. They're important because they allow us the chance to press play. If we didn't have them, we kind of freak out a little bit because we really, really need them. Well, the last two weeks we've been talking about pressing play in our lives. We looked at, a couple weeks ago, we looked at this guy named Peter. And Peter, Peter stepped up in his walk with God and he pressed play in his faith by, by jumping out and, and sharing his faith with an entire group of people who did not know about God, and it was the Romans. And so he went to this, this Roman soldier named Cornelius and was able to share his faith with Cornelius and Cornelius' entire family. Last week, we talked about Abraham. Y'all remember that sermon when the power went out in this place? And I was just having to yell at everybody without a microphone? Yeah, I loved it. It was great. It was like the shortest sermon ever. Um, so y'all are welcome about that. But Abraham, he, he stepped up in his faith by when God called him to do something, he said, yes. He didn't know where he was going to go. He was, he was 75 years old, 
God spoke to him. He was living in like Iraq, okay? And God says, I want you to go to this new place. And the Bible says he didn't know where he was going, but he said yes to God. He really stepped up in his faith. And we talked about that. But man, everything, all, all the last couple of weeks and today is culminating in this idea that we need to step up in our faith. And we're going to look at one other guy, a young man, who really stepped up in his faith. And this guy's name is Timothy. New Testament guy. And if you want to know about Timothy, go to Acts chapter 16. You can go to 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. We don't have time to go through all of that. Um, but I wanted to hit on some highlights to kind of weave this narrative about this, this young man um, named Timothy. And so you guys probably all know about the Apostle Paul, okay? Just famous dude, wrote a whole lot of the New Testament. Uh, but he went on these missionary journeys. And if you want to know about the missionary journeys, just ask any kid. Because most kids, when you're little in church, you take out your Bible and you go up to the back and you look at these maps, you know what I'm saying? And you look at these maps, and one of the, almost every Bible has in the back, it says, Paul's first and second missionary journeys. And so I can look at it right now and, and see what's going on and see his missionary journeys. You know, that, that important. And during his first missionary journey, he went to like this uh, Asia Minor area. It's like modern day Turkey. And he started these churches in these, these uh, little towns, okay? And so the way he would start a church, he would go and just Find a group of people, tell them about Jesus. People get saved. They start a church, and then he goes on to the next town, and they have this little church, and they're growing, and they're messing up, and they're I mean, just like us. I mean, they're, just, they're sinners, and they're just trying to live for Christ, and it's just, it's just difficult sometimes. But there was this family in this town of, of Lystra, and during Paul's first missionary journey, he was able to share the gospel with this, this family, and this family had, had a grandmother named Lois, had an had a older daughter named Eunice, and had a son, probably a teenager. His name was Timothy. And evidently, these, this, this family gets saved. And when Paul comes back in his second missionary journey, he meets Timothy. And he's so impressed by this guy. He says, man, this guy has so much potential, which I think at some time in our life, we could probably say, you know what? People might have looked at my life and said, man, Clayton's got some potential, you know? And I hope I haven't disappointed people. I'm sure I have. But in our lives, there have been times when we we're young and you go, people look at other people and say, you know what? That person has great potential. And Timothy had great potential, so much so that, that Paul says, hey, would you want to go with me on my missionary journey? Come with me. You can hang out with Silas, and Barnabas, and Luke, and we can go and do some ministry together. And evidently, that's what Timothy did. So Timothy kind of goes under the wing of, of Paul and is mentored by Paul for several years, walking with Paul, doing ministry um, with Paul. It's like a, a private walking alongside a general. And so Timothy is looking up to this guy and saying, man, he, he's amazing. I want to be like him. And he was able to do some really incredible things. Ministry happened. It was awesome. And then Paul kind of took the training wheels off of Timothy and actually sent him by himself to these other areas and to these other churches that are having issues and having problems. And Paul was like, I got too many things going on. And so I need to send somebody else. And so he says, Timothy, man, it's your time. It's your turn to go. And I was thinking about that, just thinking about like being a young person. He was probably maybe in his early 20s, and he's trying to figure all this out. Now, I'm wondering, how scared do you think Timothy was? Like, feeling super inferior, standing next to Paul and these great men of the faith, saying, man, I, I'm, I just don't have what it takes. I just don't have what it takes. I think that's a great question to, to ask ourselves is are you scared that you don't have what it takes? Like if, if, you're, if you're a dad and you're trying to figure out how to raise your family well, and you feel like you're still inferior, you don't have what it takes. 
The same thing with a mom. I don't have what it takes. Or you, you want to be a leader in your life, whether it's in the church or in business or in the community, and you're just like, I feel insecure. I don't know about you, but I feel insecure a lot of times. I feel like probably every single one of us have this insecurity in our lives where we feel like I don't have what it takes. And I think that's exactly where, where Timothy was. And Paul is saying, go. And Timothy's like, are you kidding me? Like, I don't wanna go, but I'm gonna go do this. I'm scared, I'm nervous, I'm a young guy. No one's gonna look up to me because I'm young, you know? And I'm a stranger in that town. They're all gonna laugh at me and no one is gonna take me serious. And, and Paul sends Timothy these letters while he's doing ministry. When we get first and second Timothy, they're personal letters to Timothy, helping him in ministry. And here's what 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5 says. Paul says this. Hey, I know you're scared, Timothy. I know. I know you're anxious. I know you're insecure. But I am reminded of your sincere faith. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure it dwells in you. He says, you, you can be okay. I'm confident in this faith that you have. I believe Timothy, or Paul's telling Timothy something, I think God is telling us something that we need to be reminded of when we feel insecure. And it's this, that we need to look up. We need to look up. You see, Timothy, he looked up to certain people in his life. Evidently, it was his, his mom and his grandmother. I don't know where his dad was. I don't know where his grandfather was in this picture. But evidently, evidently, he was maybe the man of the house at a young age. But he was looking up to these ladies, these strong believers in, in, in their faith. And he's looking up to them. And I think we need to do the same thing. In our lives, my question for us is, who are we looking up to? Is it a parent? Is it a grandparent? Is it a Sunday school teacher? Is it a great friend that you're like, man, I want to be like them? And then Paul says something to Timothy. He says, you know what? It's not enough just to, to look up to them. You still need to do more. He says this and encourages him in this in, in, verse, or in chapter 3. In verse 14, he says, but as for you, here's what I want you to do. Continue. Continue in what you've learned. Like, don't stop here. Continue in what you've learned and firmly believe, knowing from whom you learned it. You're talking about his mom and his grandmother. He says, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred scriptures. Evidently, his family had taught him the Old Testament, okay? He knew about, about God, and he was waiting for the Messiah. He says, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul looks at Timothy and says, man, don't quit there. Look up to people, but, but don't quit there. There's still more work to do. But sadly for a lot of us, like the people when we were really young, maybe it was a Sunday school teacher, maybe it was a VBS, um, people that, that, that um, helped me play rec and, and do crafts and things like that. All those things are amazing and awesome. And, and, but those people, that's like who I look up to. And my, my faith kind of stopped there. Like it really hasn't progressed. I, don't, I can't look around right now and say, this is the person that I look up to. But here's the deal. We need to be looking up to people. We need mentors or coaches in our lives. We need that for ourselves. I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you're 95 years old. You need a mentor or a coach in your life. 
I don't know if you guys got to see the, the Olympics the last, uh, last month, but I, mean, I was watching it. Um, I watched mainly, most of it like on YouTube. I just like watch the highlights, you know what I'm talking about? So I've watched the highlights, and I, and I saw um, this one race that I think is maybe like the worst race in the entire Olympics. And it's not the 400-meter dash, but it's the 400-meter hurdles. You know what I'm saying? Like who wants to jump over those over and over again? Because I just had this, this reoccurring nightmare of a previous talk I had with you guys about falling over the hurdles and just being embarrassed. But you watch these, these athletes, these world-class athletes running, and they're, they're starting off strong, and they're, they're running and jumping over these hurdles. And if you slow and look real close, I mean, they're barely clearing these hurdles. I'm just like, oh, Lord, please let them get over, you know? And so, but by the time they get to the end of the race, man, they are exhausted and just trying to get over on the hurdles as best they can. Well, there was this one athlete, American athlete, her name is Sydney McLaughlin, and she is a phenom, okay? I think she's 21 years old, and she had two incredible races this summer. One was for the, the U.S. Olympic trials, so you have to go um, and actually qualify to go to the Olympics, so they take like the top three people in each event or whatever and go to the Olympics, and so she is, um, is preparing for, the, for, for this, and things are just not going good for her over the last several months during COVID and all that kind of stuff, and she makes this decision to change her coach which is kind of a crazy decision that you would make coming up to the Olympics. But she decides to go with this legendary coach named Bobby Kersey. And Bobby gets, um, uh, gets Sydney, and he begins to teach her how to, to, to hurdle differently and to be different. Because everybody else usually runs up to a hurdle, and they jump off their dominant leg, like the right leg usually. And so you, look, you watch these, these athletes, and they're running, and they jump over right leg, jump over right leg. And they, he taught her to jump over both legs. And so if you watch her, her run, it's amazing. She runs and she jumps off her left leg. And then she runs and the very next one, she jumps off her right leg. And what happens is over the, the course of, of the entire race, she takes less strides than everybody else. And she starts off kind of further behind than everybody else. But as she, as she gets up 200 yards, 300 yards, and then coming around that turn, she might be behind but everybody else is just gassed because they've taken more steps than she has. And she just, she just clears those hurdles. And she beat the world record at, the, at the, uh, the trials. And she goes to the Olympics as the favorite. And, man, it's just, it was beautiful to watch this athlete going around. And she's behind coming around. And she did the exact same thing again. And she, she beat her world record again. Twice in a row in two races. She's the gold medalist. And what's, cr what's crazy is she's a believer, and she, after that, when she was getting um, recognized and being interviewed, she's like, man, I just want to thank Jesus, you know, thank God. It was, it was, he really helped me. But, and she goes, you know what, I also, also want to thank my coach. If it hadn't been for him, I would not be standing where I'm standing right now. I wouldn't have won the way that I won if it wasn't for my coach. We need coaches. Even athletes, even incredible athletes need coaches. Even, even professional athletes have coaches, you know? My, my favorite basketball player, Steph Curry, who's, who's a Christian, I mean, he, he is the greatest shooter in the history of the world. And he has specialized coaches that are helping him with his footwork, they're helping him um, with his jump shot. I mean, that's crazy. But you think if anybody in the world that doesn't need a coach, it'd be him. You know what I'm saying? But this guy has a coach. Almost every great athlete has a coach. So my question is, who do you call coach in your life? Do you have someone like that? And maybe it's someone older than you. Maybe it's someone more experienced than you. But you know what? Sometimes, so, so sometimes it's like a, it's a upward move, and you're looking for someone that's, that's more experienced and older than you. But sometimes it might be a lateral move. Sometimes we can coach ourselves as a group. So maybe the question might be, who men, who do you have other men around you helping you in life? 
Women, who do you have other women in your life helping you? Who can, who can be your coach? Who can be your mentor? We need those kind of people in our lives. I mean, that's, that's a great lesson for today because Paul recognized that about Timothy and he came alongside Timothy and mentored him. Now, when you realize you need a coach, what you're saying is that you've got a lot to learn, you know? Saying, I haven't arrived yet. There's more to learn. And, and Paul took Timothy and he realized that about Timothy. He realized that he did not have it all yet. Like he, he needed to learn. He needed to grow. He needed to mature. And for many of us, it's time for us to do the same thing. It's time for us to grow up. Not only do we need to look up, but we need to grow up. I mean, if you go into anyone's home, everybody, every person's home has um, either a hallway or some wall that's full of family pictures, you know? And so you got family pictures and you've got when, when you're really young and the kids are growing up and you can just imagine your own house or your grandparents' house or whatever. And you go in these the homes and, and you look, at, when I do senior adult visits um, each week, I go into senior adults' homes and get to hang out and I'm always like, show me your pictures. Like, I wanna see, I wanna see your family. I wanna see, you know, what you look like when you were younger. And I'm always trying to imagine, okay, what did that person look like? I mean, they're 92 right now, but what did they look like when they were little, you know? And it's just, it's just amazing because you can go and look at these pictures and go, that's you. You get the same smile when you're eight, you know? You get the same eyes. I can see that in you. But, but if, you, if you see those family pictures, what are you seeing on that wall? You're seeing growth. Like what they were is not who they are now. Like naturally we should be growing. And spiritually it's the exact same way we should be growing. And Paul looks at Timothy and says, grow up. You gotta grow up, man. He tells him, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, he says, let no one despise you for your youth. Like, I don't care how young you are, whether that's in age or maybe spiritual maturity or whatever. I don't care how young you are. But do this. Set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. He says, man, Paul, Paul look at Timothy and says, if you want to be somebody, you got to grow up. Got to grow up. Got to set the standard. You got to be the example. And God is calling every single one of us to do the same thing, to grow up. One of my earliest memories is learning how to swim. And I learned how to swim at a, a college in the town that I grew up in. And it was this massive pool, like Olympic-sized swimming pool. You know, it's got the lanes and everything. It's got this super deep, deep end and the big high dives, like several of them. And, and I remember as a little kid, like two or three years old, going to the edge of this pool and, and looking at it like this giant ocean, you know, and you're just scared to death. And my mom got in the water first, and then we sometimes we'd have instructors to get in the water. But here's the thing, the deep end or the shallow end was deep. Like it was six feet deep. It's for like, you know, swimming laps and stuff. And so a little kid, you can't just get in the shallow end, you know? And so they brought these little PVC pipe like contraptions that had, um, they would hook them onto the side of the, the pool and they had this fiberglass um, bottom, this clear bottom, and it was about a couple feet uh, under the water, and so you could stand on it. It's like, it was like these little, little ledges that, that you had. And so and all these little kids, we go and stand on these little ledges. And what are we doing? We're just shaking, and you're scared, and we're holding on to our moms, right? You know, and, and then, or you're holding on to the ledge, and you do not want to let go because you feel like you literally are going to die. It's like one of the scariest, most, that's why I guess I remember it. I mean, you look at it, you're like, oh my goodness, I am going, I'm going to die. I remember learning how to swim and being, and being in that pool. And what's crazy is, is that 15 years later, I am the lifeguard at that pool. 
okay? And so I am in college and I'm in the lifeguard at this pool and I'm, I'm sitting there laughing because there's a line of kids on those exact same contraptions and their moms are saying, just come, just jump, trust me, right? And they're just scared and they're crying and it's just, it's just bad, okay? And so I remember these kids just jumping in and going, man, it's gonna be okay, you know? It's gonna be okay. But at that time, they didn't realize it, and, and we don't realize that as well. When we jump into something we've never gotten into before, it can be really, really scary. And for many of us, when we're scared, we hang on to the ledge, don't we? Hang on to mom, you know? Hang on to dad. And for many of us spiritually, we've never let go. Like we never let go of, of the ledge, and we're scared. And so here's kind of what it looks like. Maybe you're 50 or 60 years old right now. And you go, you know what, Clayton, I've really never gotten out of the shallow end. I never really let go of that ledge. I'm still hanging on to, to I'm standing on that plexiglass ledge and looking out and just kind of scared. I mean, I'm in the pool. I'm saved. I mean, Jesus is my savior, but I've really never taken that step of faith and jumped out into this life that he's, he's given me. So what happens is, is when, you're, when you're young, it's okay because you're just trying to, you're just trying to, to live life. I mean, you're just, you're young and just immature. When you're, you're a teenager, you're just trying to figure life out, you know? And so it's kind of like a pass for you. You don't really have to jump out in your faith. You don't really have to step out and grow and mature. You're just like, I'm just a teenager. You get in your 20s and you're just trying to, trying to set the course for your life, you know? You got all this other stuff going on. You find yourself quickly in your 30s or your 40s and you got a career and you're raising a family and you have so many responsibilities that growing in your faith is just another check mark in this long list of things you gotta do. It seems like you never get them done. And all of a sudden you find yourself in your 50s or your 60s or your 70s and you're like, you know what? I never left the ledge, you know? I never really matured, I've never really grown. But I'm telling you what, if, if, you're, if you're that way, and you're looking out scared about the, the rest of the, the water, you're, you're, you're missing stuff. There's so much more. I mean, when you're out at the pool, I want to tell those little kids, man, it's going to be okay. There's so much else out there. I mean, there are, there are toys out there. People run, are swimming around and playing the toys. You can get in a lane. You can, you can do laps. I don't know why would you do that because that sounds terrible. But, you know, you can, you can, you can do laps. Or there's, there's, a, there's guys over there playing a water a basketball. You know, you can run around or swim around with them. Or there's the old ladies in the corner in the water aerobics. You know what I'm saying? You're doing the water aerobics? That's awesome. You ever done that? If you haven't ever done that, it's fun. Uh, I, I encourage you to go and do water aerobics. Or you can go to the deep end, man, and you can jump off the high dive, and it's amazing. If you look at everybody's faces in the pool, what do you see? Joy, fun, life. And spiritually, man, it is the same way. If you're still hanging on to the ledge, man, you're missing out on so much. Live in a shallow faith. And Paul looks at Timothy and says, man, you gotta grow up. Can't hang on to me forever. Gotta grow up. And he teaches them how. He teaches them how. First Timothy chapter four. Verse 13 through 16 says this. Until I come, here's what I want you to do. Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. So devote yourself to God's Word. If you want to grow, like it's great to talk about it and make you feel like bad about not growing, saying, okay, I'm getting, now I'm going to grow. But how do you actually grow? You grow by reading this, okay? Devote yourself to reading it. Verse 14, do not neglect the gift you have 
which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. How has God gifted you? Don't neglect it. Like, use it. And when you use the gifts that God has given you, you will grow. And he says this, verse 15, practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. It's not just a hobby. Like, you immerse yourself in this spiritual growth. Where it's something that you're trying to do every single day. I'm like, I want to grow in my faith. In verse 16, he says, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for, for by so doing, you will save both yourselves and your hearers. Keep, keep a close watch. Persist. Don't give up. Paul calls Timothy to grow. Why? I think it's because he knew there was something else out there for him. Like something else that God was calling him to do, and he wasn't ready yet. And so there's this big point for growth. Because growth prepares us to do this, to step up. To step up. Just like all these guys we've been talking about the last several weeks. Growth prepares us to step up. Think about all, all you guys that are in school right now or, or used to be in school. Man, when you're sitting um, at your desk, you know those, the ones that are like, it's all one giant contraption. You know, you got the, the chair and the, the, I don't know, anyways. Okay, so you're sitting there and the teacher gets up on the board and writes a problem and turns around to the class and says, who would like to come up here and solve this? And everybody's like, Ugh. You know, I mean, you're just like, please don't look at me. Oh, Lord, please. I am not prepared. I'm not ready for this. Please don't, don't look at me. We all do that, right? And there's always that one kid sitting in the front, and he goes, boop, you know? Me, me, me. And the teacher always just ignores that person because they always get chosen, you know? They know everything. You're like, oh, I hate that person, you know? And so, um, and so, I mean, you are sitting in the back, and you're like, please don't call at me. Why? Because you're not prepared. You stayed up too late. You told your parents you didn't have any homework, you know? <laughs> Sounds like my house. Anyways, you know, you're not prepared. And so when you sit down and the teacher says, who is ready to step up and answer this problem? You're like, please don't choose me. Please don't choose me. Please don't choose me. And why is that kid always raising their hand? Because they're prepared. They've grown. They know what to do. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to grow and be prepared so that we can step up. And that's exactly what happened to Timothy. Timothy. Timothy had a chance, not just learn and grow, he finally got to step up in a couple ways. One of, like Paul finally released him. And so Timothy got to go by himself to Corinth and be able to minister to that church and help them. He got to go to Thessalonica and help them. He got to go to Philippi all by himself to, to help them. And what's crazy is he would come back to, to, to Paul and report about what was going on. And then Paul would write these letters to these churches. And so a lot of the things, the reason they're having these interactions is because, all because of Timothy's report, which is pretty amazing that his, his story is, inter, is weaving in all of scripture, which is pretty awesome. And then Timothy finally had like this ultimate opportunity to step up. And Paul was kind of training him, getting him ready. And then he knocks on Timothy's door one day and says, hey, I got another assignment for you. Okay. You know that big mega church at Ephesus? You know, the one that everybody, all the other churches in these, the area, all the, they're all looking up to, to him. 
there's big issues there, man. It's, it's just a mess. There's these false uh, teachers coming in, and they're teaching something separate than what the real scripture is. And you know what? I could go, but I'm, I'm going to send you. And Timothy's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know? No, 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 no. I, mean, I don't know if that happened, but, but evidently Paul sends Timothy to Ephesus. And at, at probably around 30 years old, Timothy becomes the, like the senior pastor of the, the church in Ephesus. This church that all the other, other cities, all the other smaller churches are looking up to. And Timothy had to step up in a big way. And here's how Paul tells Timothy to step up. He says this. 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, get this, preach the word. Here's what, I'm do, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to Ephesus, preach the word, man. Be ready in season and out of season, repuve, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure a sound teaching. Sounds a lot like today. That's what was going on back then. And he encourages Timothy to step up. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, he says, fight the good fight of faith. He's saying, do work. Serve. Do ministry. And man, Timothy had some incredible opportunities to end up doing ministry. Did you know that six letters of the New Testament, six of the books of the New Testament, Timothy co-authored with Paul? 2 Corinthians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, and Philemon. If you don't believe me, go read the very, very beginning of all those, okay? Every single one of them says, I, Paul, with Timothy, you know, and Timothy. He's, he's right here next to me. Timothy stepped up big time. Got to serve, got to be a leader. And I'll, I'll, say, I'll say this final thing that... You know, we're talking about stepping up. We're talking about like reaching up and like who are you looking up to and who, who can be your coach and who can be your mentor. But there's a cycle to all of this. And the question is, who are you mentoring? You know, you might say, you know what, Clayton, I feel like I'm growing in my faith and all that kind of stuff. Now, what am I supposed to do now? My question is, who are you mentoring? Are there people, there's some people who are just so nervous to even ask for help. Who are you looking down to and say, hey, I want to take you under my wing and I want to help you. I want to mentor you. There's this cycle. And I'm telling you what, Paul even realized that about Timothy, and he says this in 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. He, says, he says, Timothy, hey, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, here's what I want you to do. I want you to entrust that, that message to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. He says, Timothy, pass it on. Pass it on. You have, you have looked up to me. You had, your, you had your mom and you had your grandmother, and that was awesome. That was like the beginning of your faith. But, man, you have grown past that. You've had opportunities um, to do ministry and to live life, and you've grown, and you've studied God's word, and you've become a, a, a better disciple of Jesus. Man, you've done all those things, but, man, it doesn't end there. Now you need to turn around and do the favor to someone else. You've got to pass it on. So here's, here's how I'd like to close. I just want to ask you some questions real quick. Number one, ask yourself this question. Who do I have in my life? Who's mentoring me? Who's my coach? Who can, I, who can I call coach, you know? If there's not anybody, man, go ask somebody, okay? You just gotta step up and ask somebody sometimes, you know? It's also the question, who do I have in my life? Who's, who's underneath me? Who am I mentoring? We need to have that kind of, those kind of relationships in my life. Second question is this, where do I need to grow? Spiritually and, and relationally in, in my life, what are some things that I need to work on? 
How am I going to fix those things? How am I going to grow in those things? Maybe I need to get with my coach and say, I want to work on these things. I want to know God's word better. I want to be able to share my faith more effectively. I want to be a better witness. I want to be a leader in my business and in my community or in my church. Like, how do you need to grow and work on that? And finally, ask yourself this, how can I step up? I mean, that might be kind of a vague thing. I don't really know how to step up. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. I'll tell you what, here at Central, I'm so excited about what God is, God is doing. And, and I know there's a couple, couple ways that, God, that, that what God is doing can kind of be stifled. And one of them is if we have an entire church of people saying that is someone else's job, you know? If you're sitting in, in your chair or if me, even me standing up here, all of us, we're all in the same boat. If we look around and say that ministry... That service opportunity, if, that is, if, if we have this idea that that's someone else's job, then we've missed something. And we're going to stagnate faster than anything. We become less effective quicker than anything. But I want to give you some, a simple way to step up. If you're like, hey, Clayton, you know what? Okay, it's time for me to step up. I've been sitting in the sidelines too long. I've been hanging on to the side of the pool too long. I'm ready to, to go out into the deep end. How do I do that? Here's a simple way. Take out your phone. We have it on the screen right here. We have so many ways to serve here at Central. If you're like, we can help you as a church. We can help you find a, a way to, to step up in your faith and, and begin to serve. Here's all you got to do. Go to that, that number, 94,000. Type, type serve CBC. It doesn't matter if there's capital or, or not, just as long as it's all together. Just hit enter. Man, it's going to send you a little link, and I've got it up on my phone right now. It's pretty awesome. It says serve at CBC. Man, I don't know where to serve. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to begin that process. There are, there's all these different things you can click on, like, hey, I'm interested in women's ministry or, you know, kids' ministry or, or media or music or men's or missions and, and mission trips or I want to help out with the church grounds and the facilities. And you can go down and look at, hey, I want to be on the connection team. I want to, I want to help in kids' worship. I want to lead a Bible study. I want, to, I want to mow, man. I mean, what guy doesn't want to mow? You know what I'm saying? We have cool mowers. Like, we have, like, the big giant riding lawn mowers, so it's pretty awesome, okay? You can watch Netflix while you're, riding, while you're driving. Okay, anyways. So there's lots of different ways that you can serve and be a part. Man, there's, there's tons of things. You can click on that. We'd love to connect with you and help you um, be, be able to, to find a place to serve because God has something bigger for all of us. He has something bigger for all of us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for um, the message today. Thank you for this idea of us pressing play in our lives. And the reality is there's a lot of us that have pushed pause. You know, maybe we push pause spiritually. We don't even know Jesus. We don't have a relationship with you. And God, maybe today is the day for someone in this room to say, you know what, I want to press play and begin this faith journey with Jesus. I want to, I want to ask him to forgive me my sins and, and ask him to come into my life and save me from my sins. That's the biggest press play moment we can ever have. So God, if that's anybody in this room, I pray that you would just convict them to do that. They'd find one of our staff. They would go to the connection room here in just, just a second to the right when we, when we dismiss and they would get right with you today. Maybe today, God, there's some people in this room, some families that they've been paused on being a part of a body of believers and they need to, to join Central today. And we love to come alongside them, God. You know that. Maybe they need to do the same thing. They need to, to take that step of faith. Say, you know what? I want to I be a part of this. God, I believe there's a lot of us in this room, probably every single one of us, that we push pause all the time because it's safe. We hang on to that ledge. And our faith when we were little is like the only faith we still have. 
God, you're calling us to more. You're calling us to grow. You're calling us to, to step up in, in our ministries, in our service, in our leadership. And that's kind of scary sometimes. I mean, I'm 38, God. And I'm like, why do people even listen to me? I still feel like a little kid sometimes. And I feel like that insecurity is in all of us. But God, we have this short life to live for you. So help us, God, to step up. I pray that every single person in this room would have a place to serve here at Central, to be a part of something bigger than themselves. And God, that you be glorified through it. Convict us, call us, help us to move right now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.